Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. In American politics, one family used to be so politically powerful that everything seemed to orbit around them. They had this gravitational pull. From Wall Street to Washington to foreign leaders, everyone wanted a piece of them. I'm working all the time with Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Sometimes I couldn't tell you for the life who I'm working with because we focus on solving problems and seizing opportunities and not fighting all the time. Unity is better than division. Empowerment is better than resentment. And bridges are better than walls. We believe that we're all in this together is a far better philosophy than you're on your own. This was Clinton world. And it really was a world. There was this entire ecosystem of money and insiders and employees who just kept the whole thing going. And for a while, the guy who held the keys to that world was Doug Band. Band's price for access has become a political hot potato in the campaign homestretch. Mr. Band called the arrangement unorthodox. The rest of us call it outright corrupt. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Infamous, and I'm Vanessa Grigoriadis. This week, Gabe is going to be telling a story about a guy named Doug Band. He was the right-hand man of the southern-drawling 42nd president of the United States, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton served two terms, from 1993 to 2001. But by the end of his presidency, his reputation was tarnished by his affair with Monica Lewinsky. Doug Ban figured out a way to burnish that reputation again, to get Bill back on a global stage, and he got incredibly rich doing it. Doug Ban is living in just a palatial apartment overlooking Central Park South. President Clinton's business arrangements have yielded more than $30 million for him personally. But Doug, it seems, flew a little too close to the sun. He found himself at the center of a civil war within Clinton world. A complete hit job making all this stuff up. And yeah. to this day, none of it ever turned out to be true. I thought you were going to say that you've, um, the pot, like the getting blowback from Clinton world wouldn't bother you. Yeah. You've already gotten it. So. Yeah, I can care less. I mean, none of that stuff bothers me. Before he talked to Gabe, Doug Band hadn't given a lengthy interview to a reporter. And the story he told was one that reveals how actual politics go down, whether it's uranium mining deals or hostage negotiations. 
it also peels back the curtain on one of the most influential political dynasties in America, a dynasty in decline. If you think of a figure out of House of Cards, that's what I think of Doug Band as. From the time I spent with Doug, I really got an inside look on how he created the Bill Clinton that we think of in the post-presidency. He monetized Bill Clinton's status as an ex-president to basically create a philanthropy and business empire and then take a small cut for himself. So how did he get entree into Clinton world? So Doug Mann started as an intern in the White House counsel's office partway through Clinton's first term. And he's very good about making relationships. Doug is savvy about recognizing where power is. And he navigated himself so that when Bill Clinton won a second term in 1996, he needed a body man. And Doug was willing to carry the bag and the hand sanitizer and do, you know, the the grunt work because, you know, you're with the president. And who knows where that will lead. I mean, a lot of people don't like being the body man because it is such a degrading and... uh, position. But I think Doug had the foresight to see that he could use it for other things. I've heard this term a lot, but like, what is a body man? A body man is, I guess it depends on the politician. I think in Bill Clinton's case, a body man meant that you had complete control over who had access to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton famously didn't use email or carry a cell phone, which meant that if you wanted to talk to Bill Clinton, you had to talk to Doug Band. It's fascinating that Bill Clinton didn't do email. This was one of uh, Doug's, I think, most profitable insights is that Bill Clinton was just legendarily disorganized, couldn't keep a schedule, couldn't communicate with like email, w- would show up late to every meeting. And Doug realized that if he could get Bill Clinton to where he needed to be on time and communicate for him that Bill Clinton would come to rely on him because he could do what Bill couldn't. And so I think of Doug Ban less as a body man. That was his position. But he almost was a businessman who said, I have access to a former president. What are all the opportunities that I can get for him? And he used that gatekeeper status to amass power for himself. And that's part of the controversy around him was that critics in Clinton world believe that he leveraged his proximity to Clinton to promote himself. Bill Clinton is so into intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things we know about him, right? He has really weird, Mm -hmm. bad boundaries. So, I mean, a body man, you think of Gary on Veep, right? I'm next to the Veep more than any other human being. You are distantly orbiting her. I'm her moon. It's just like a completely self-effacing character who carries your lip gloss and some tissues and basically whispers in the politician's ear and is like, over there, Mr. Rockefeller on the left. And then meanwhile, you have Doug Band, who's risen to such prominence that one of the only things I knew about this guy is he lives. He bought, he bought himself a $20 million apartment from David Rockefeller. Unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. Believable. This is the guy who's supposed to be carrying the the Vaseline to moisten the lips of <laughs> Bill Clinton. He went to work for me when he was in his early twenties and still a law student. And we did a lot of work, and I will always be grateful for that. So let's. I think it helps to just rewind. When Bill Clinton left the White House in two thousand and one, his life was complete in shambles. He was a disgraced ex-president, not only from the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Potentially damaging cloud is hanging over the White House this morning. Whitewater Counsel Kenneth Starr 
has been granted permission to expand his investigation. He will be looking into new allegations that President Clinton had an affair with a former White House intern and then urged her to lie about it. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. But, you know, as he left office, he pardoned a whole bunch of people, including Mark Rich, the exiled Swiss financier. Well, Mark Rich was a Clinton confidant who was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list because he had a habit of trading with regimes that were under U.S. sanctions. And so Bill Clinton left office. He was toxic amongst Democrats. Al Gore didn't want anything to do with him, blamed him, in fact, for losing to George W. Bush. Just moments ago, I spoke with George W. Bush and congratulated him on becoming the 43rd president of the United States. So anyways, Bill Clinton moves back to Chappaqua. And where's Hillary Clinton? Well, she's in Washington as a newly elected senator from the state of New York. I mean, obviously, they were legally still married. But, you know, she was in D.C. with Huma and Bill was in New York. So he's disgraced and lonely. And Doug Ban goes with him to basically be his body man in the post-presidency, when in fact it was basically just Doug and Bill hanging out in Chappaqua. And it, this, from that, a sort of father-son relationship developed because Doug was loyal and was the only one hanging around Bill. And I think Bill Clinton will always be grateful for that. And Doug was savvy enough to use that relationship then to further his own career. The toxicness of Bill Clinton was directly related to the Monica Lewinsky affair. Yeah. Right. So the Democrats were unwilling to let bygones be bygones. Yeah. I mean, I think it really wasn't until the Clinton Global Initiative started in 2005 that Bill Clinton started to get a platform again. For the next four years after his presidency, he was kind of persona non grata. He gave speeches to like foreign dictators, but he wasn't really a player in American politics until he devoted his life, his public life to philanthropy. So I think that was, you know, part of Doug's genius was to recognize that you could use philanthropy to repair Bill Clinton's damaged brand. Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did, and suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. 
With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash infamous. That's rocketmoney.com slash infamous. rocketmoney.com slash infamous. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. The Clinton Global Initiative was founded on commitment. We are excited to announce our commitment. Our commitment. Commitments. The commitment we are all making here today. So basically, Doug, you know, Doug has a sort of taken credit for starting the Clinton Global Initiative. Does mm-hmm. he also take credit for starting, like, the Clinton Foundation? Yeah, I mean, I think but both of those things, I think, were, from Doug's point of view, you know, his brainchilds. As he tells it, Doug went to Davos, to the World Economic Forum with Bill Clinton. Mr. President, it's a great pleasure to welcome you back to Davos. If- And he would see these billionaires and former heads of state want to, you know, hang out with Clinton. I mean, Clinton is a legendary kibitzer, right? He loves to just talk and gossip and he has a photographic memory and he's just a great dinner party guest. And so Doug's like, well, these people want to hang out with Bill. Why are we doing it to help, you know, Klaus Schwab or, you know, the guy, whoever runs the World Economic Forum? Let's do our own World Economic Forum in New York. And that was the brainchild that became the Clinton Global Initiative. And now the Clinton Foundation was the philanthropy, was the organization that allowed Bill Clinton then to use the money raised at CGI to like then help, whether it's, you know, AIDS in Africa or rebuilding in Haiti and all the other causes he was involved in. I mean, this is just what presidents do, right? They start philanthropic organizations and they, they you know, run around the world and they make money giving speeches. I mean, there was nothing sort of out of the ordinary or was there? Well, I, I think, if you know, a lot of presidents... Like, well, Jimmy Carter, you know, built houses, right? Habitat for Humanity. You have presidents who set up presidential libraries. Yeah, presidents in the post-presidency, they'll set up a presidential library or they'll go sit on the board of a private equity firm. But what, what Bill Clinton did, which was unique, was that he used a foundation to build these relationships with business titans and billionaires and investment bankers and... And I think the idea was that, yes, they were doing a lot of good, but how was Bill Clinton worth suddenly $109 million after leaving the White House when he left the White House in debt from all of his legal bills, right? And so the idea was being, you know, companies and billionaires were giving Bill Clinton money for something. And what was that something? It was his access to people in Washington. So, you know, Doug Ban basically looked to cultivate relationships with billionaires that could fly Bill Clinton around the globe. And one of those billionaires was Jeffrey Epstein. And um, critics of Doug Band and Bill Clinton say, you know, these unseemly relationships were emblematic of a sort of a transactional favor trading that took place in Bill Clinton's post-presidency. But 
I asked Doug numerous times about this, and he said that he saw no evidence of Jeffrey Epstein and underage girls. And, and you know, it was a completely transactional relationship that Epstein had a jet. Bill Clinton wanted to go to Africa, and that's what happened. I mean, I, I will say that having been a reporter at that time, I do remember in my, like, you know, the bottom-feeding mm-hmm. worlds of New York, meaning, like, the nightclubs mm-hmm. and page six. Models um, and bottles. The models and the bottles. I am a financial analyst. Like Thursday nights, the night that we bowl. I mean, we go top down, models and bottles. For those people who don't know, models and bottles <laughs> was a scene that like ended up spreading all over the country. That is what you see at like Tao in Las Vegas, which is the idea that like in order to sit down at this nightclub, you need to buy a table. And to buy a table, you need to buy bottles of alcohol. So like a bottle of vodka, a bottle of tequila, blah, 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 blah. And that'll be come to your to your table and you control who can sit there. And at at like high-end nightclubs in New York, they were sort of brought there en masse to hang out and be wallpaper at the nightclub and dance and look pretty. But they were also sort of shuttled into certain people's tables, Mm -hmm. right? Where it would be like, oh, cool. Why don't you hang out with my friends X, Y, and Z who happen to have paid $10,000 for this table? And you could just hang out with these dudes all night. And you'd have, like, obviously, ex-President Trump at these nightclubs. You would have Steve Bing at these nightclubs. You would have, you know, not Jeffrey Epstein, Mm -hmm. interestingly, because he was such a germaphobe, he would never go, right? But, you know, that was sort of the scene. And then there were a lot of celebrities involved. And the name that I heard back then over and over about a guy you needed to know was Doug Band, right? Like, Doug Band was supposedly dating... Naomi Campbell, which is a pretty hardcore name to throw out. And if you wanted to be part of that Clinton scene, Doug was a real good guy to know. No, I mean, he was the ultimate fixer, right? He could get you the reservation at whatever restaurant you wanted to. He could broker a meeting with a former prime minister. I mean, if you were one of the most powerful people in the world and you needed something, Mm -hmm. you called Doug Band. I mean, that's like, it's like, you know, the ultimate Amex concierge service. And I think, you know, from the time I spent with Doug Ben, he carries himself like he almost is a billionaire, right? He f- used to the jets and the car services and the David Rockefeller townhouse. But he was, you know, he's a law student. He went to Georgetown Law at night and was, you know, carrying Bill Clinton's bag. It's one of the most incredible, you know, not rags to riches story because he didn't grow up dirt poor. But, you know, the most one of the most incredible social climbing stories that I've ever covered. But Doug was about to climb a little too high. That's coming up after the break. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds. And they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William vs. Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? 
Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Infamous from Campside Media. In the years after Clinton's presidency, Doug Band worked hard to get Bill to make the most of his connections, both in the world of politics and the world of business. Some of these connections would take Doug and Bill to some pretty crazy places. Among them, North Korea. So Kim Jong-il wanted to meet Bill Clinton. Just because? Or yeah, like, I mean, yeah. like, the, yeah, like these dictators and these foreign heads of state, just like, they love to, he's a great bullshitter. Like, they just love to hang out with him. And I think for Kim Jong-il, the PR benefit of getting a former president to come visit you, like, you're this, like, pariah regime. So Doug basically handled all the logistics for this secret meeting of getting Bill Clinton to North Korea and getting Lisa Ling's sister, Laura Ling, who was a journalist imprisoned in North Korea home. Journalist Laura Ling and Yuna Lee were working on a documentary when they were taken prisoner by North Korean soldiers. Laura faced a 12-year prison sentence and brutal treatment from her captors. Doug called Steve Bing, the Hollywood movie producer, Bill Clinton's billionaire friend. And it was funny, I called Steve and he was in Cuba filming a movie with Bill Murray. And I said, Steve, we need your plane. I can't tell you where we're going. And I need it next week. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, sort of a billionaire response, I guess. And then what happened? So, you know, these kinds of high stakes international heads of state meetings are like every little detail has like political significance. And I think this is, again, what I took from it was like Doug is such a student of power. He told me how they're at this dinner. Kim Jong-il is had dinner with Bill Clinton and Doug. And Kim Jong-il says, after dinner, I would love the former president to come hear some music. And, you know, I had, I had heard from our agents and people just whispering around that, that they had, um, had 100,000 people in the stadium waiting. There's just no way we could do it. And I kept saying to him, sorry, we can't go. The president's tired. We need yeah. rest. Da, 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 da. It's a long trip. We got to go in the morning. And they kept pushing it, kept kept plying with alcohol, plying with alcohol. They kept having this incredible wine. Uh-huh. It was they had Latour, they had Lafitte, amazing they had steaks. I mean, it was just kept coming and coming and coming. And he just stalled for time and ran out the clock until the dinner was over, and ended up preventing Bill Clinton from getting caught up in some international scandal where where he's photographed at this mass rally. At a mass rally with everybody, like, saluting the leader. Yeah, the dear leader, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then also the hostages come home, so he gets them. Yeah, he gets the hostage home, and it's, you know, this great made-for-TV moment. Four-year-old Hannah, about to see her mother for the first time in nearly five months. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming home Laura Ling. Where Steve Bing's private jet lands in L.A., and... The door opens and the women come off the plane. Then applause as former President Bill Clinton walks out of the plane. And so, you know, I think for Bill Clinton, it was clearly a win. So what were some of the deals that that they were doing at that time? 
Well, the most controversial one, which was written about, was his relationship with the Canadian mining magnate Frank Justra, right? Mm-hmm. And Bill Clinton gave a speech in Kazakhstan and famously was photographed with Frank Justra, the mining mogul. This already sounds terrible. And Just... <laughs> yeah. And the and Kazakhstan strongman president. So basically, Bill Clinton had dinner with a dictator and a mining mogul. Mm-hmm. And two days after that dinner, Juster gets a lucrative mining contract in in Kazakhstan. And then several months after that, Juster makes a thirty one million dollar donation to the Clinton Foundation. Right. So just money's flying around. The Juster getting the mining contract. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton's getting thirty million dollars for his philanthropy. Whether or not the underlying details are, you know, explicit and everyone involved denies that there was a quid pro quo, it just looks terrible, right? right. It looks awful. And I think that is the criticism is that, you know, Doug Band had all these relationships that essentially looked like he was monetizing Bill Clinton's post presidency. And he has this idea that he can basically do for CEOs everything he had done for Bill Clinton. He can be part consigliere, part fixer, part wingman. And so he teams up with a PR executive named Declan Kelly to start a strategic advisory firm called Teneo, uh, which in Latin means I possess. And Mm -hmm. you can fill in the blank of what (laughs) what he possesses, right? Yeah. What Teneo does is help bring tomorrow's logic to today's challenges. But the idea for Teneo is that it would be this advisor to CEOs and billionaires, and they would pay them like a monthly retainer of you know six figures or even more than a million dollars to basically have Doug Band on speed dial. But when he's at this point also working for Clinton, why I, does he have to have this outside consultancy? I know. Well, it's like, it, again, I think Doug's blind spot is that things that are just such obvious conflicts of interest, like he just finds a way to rationalize or talk his way in circles around. Like, yes, he it would it seems totally unseemly that he could be running a for-profit PR firm and then also involved in a philanthropic foundation that has ties to the Secretary of State of the I mean just the levels of Right, right, right. But yes, but Teneo was was Doug wanted out of Clinton world. And I think partly Bill Clinton is to blame here. He's so conflict diverse and he just thought it was easier. Well, I don't want, I need Doug in my life and I don't want to force a hard decision. So, you know, we know that, you know, morally and ethically, Bill Clinton is flexible. So I think he allowed Doug to maintain these murky relationships. So how did things start going awry for Doug? Things started to, to go south with Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign. I announced today that I'm forming a presidential exploratory committee. I'm not just starting a campaign, though. I'm beginning a conversation with you, with America. Suddenly, reporters were digging into the finances of the Clinton Foundation and looking at ways in which people were trying to maybe influence Hillary. Then Hillary becomes Secretary of State. And again, now it's like people are digging into these relationships. Actually bragging about being able to shake down foundation clients. For Bill Clinton money. Doug Band is bragging about it. And it's not like Doug Band dreamed this up on his own. He was doing his boss's bidding. And then when Hillary leaves the Obama administration and comes back to New York and takes up her place at the Clinton Foundation, that's really where Doug's position in Clinton world starts to be squeezed because now it's no longer these parallel lives, right? Bill Mm -hmm. and Hillary Clinton aren't living these two separate lives. They're living 
together and the foundation is their foundation together. She moves to New York and suddenly, you know, Doug is caught between Bill and Hillary and now Chelsea because the the Clinton Foundation is renamed the Bill, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton Foundation. Ah, okay. And so now you're if you're Doug Ban, you're like I single-handedly helped build this thing with Bill Clinton and now Bill Clinton's wife and daughter are parachuting in and you know taking advantage of all of my work mm. and pushing me aside and I think that's where the civil war inside the Clinton family and surrogate family started. That civil war began as a private family matter, but it would end up on full display before the media. And it would leave Doug Band on the outside for good. That's next time on Infamous. Infamous is created, executive produced, and hosted by Gabriel Sherman and me, Vanessa Gregoriadis. Shoshi Shmolvitz is our managing producer and editor, and this episode was produced by Rajiv Gola. Production support by Grace Hureman, Lily Houston-Smith, and Natalie Robamed. David Devereaux is our sound designer. Ewen Lai Tremuen is our recordist. Doug Band spoke with Gabe for a Vanity Fair magazine feature where some of this reporting appeared, but he was not interviewed again for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.